Welcome to the Catch the Fire Church podcast. We're so glad you're joining us, and we hope you're encouraged by this message. Amen. I think I just need to do a mic drop right there, right? Woo! So again, my name is Rochelle. It's a pleasure to be with you guys today. There's my husband, Shannon. Honey, you can go to my daughter, Dev, uh, my daughter Lisa, over there, their boyfriend, Star. We are just so thrilled to be part of the Catch the Fire community. And today, we are going to continue our series on the house of his presence, okay? So the first week, Jess taught about the house of his presence. And then Aaron taught us about what it means to be a house of worship. And today... We're going to talk about what does it mean to be a house of his word? What does it mean to be a house of his word? We're going to dig right in with our scripture right now. So Hebrews 4.12 on the ESV, we're going to go ahead and read that. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And I love this because it's saying it's discerning the thoughts and intentions of my heart. The heart is deceitful among all things who can trust it, right? The heart is deceitful among all things. And it's not saying that the heart is bad, but what it's saying is, is check your motives, right? And the word of God brings us to a place where we can discern what our motives are. Are these in line with the word of God? And I have to tell you that a double-edged sword, when I researched what a double-edged sword is, so a double-edged sword was made when they were in combat and both sides, of course, are sharp. So when they went in to make impact with somebody, they twist it both ways and it would cut on both ends. And how many of you know that the word of God cuts two different ends, right? It brings restoration, but then it also brings conviction, doesn't it? And the other thing about the um, the sword is that it had a really short handle. And so that handle, put this back a little bit here, that handle was really short because they wanted to get as close to the enemy as they could. And that tells me that God is so close to us when we read his word, right? And he brings us to this place of a double-edged sword. And I, I would tell you right now that we're living in a time when the nation needs truth. We're living in a time where there is no truth. We're living in a time where there's a lot of confusion, aren't we? We're living in a time where truth is twisted. Now, there's nothing new under the sun, right? But because of all the access that we have, we can see the twisting of the truth at a very high level. And what's going to happen, and I, I um, in 2016, I was laying on my floor in my kitchen crying out to the Lord because I just had this really heavy burden from him. And um, the Lord spoke to me very clearly. And he said, well, he said, you know, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And the next move of my spirit will be the word of God that just goes in like a hammer. It will bring conviction. It will bring repentance. It will bring holiness, the fear of the Lord, and of course, the Father's heart. And I I just really sense in the body of Christ that we must know the truth. We must know this word. There's something that happens when the word of God is paired with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. 
And I believe that the body of Christ, that the church has watered down the word of God in such a way where there is not an anointing on the word. And I remember when I started going to a church in um, Wilmington, North Carolina called The Rock Amazing Church. And when this man shared the word of God, I would get goosebumps all over my body. There was an anointing and an authority that he had in the word of God to where he would just say it and you would, it would just be this beautiful conviction not to beat up, but it was just this thing where you just said, Oh goodness. Oh, I need to, I need to examine myself. I need to examine myself. And I truly believe that that word, the way that he preached the word of God, because there was such an anointing on his life, it really set me free from a lot of things. We have to come to a place in the church where the word of God is like a hammer, not, not to beat people up, but with the anointing of the Holy spirit. And I truly, truly believe that that's coming. And other prophets have confirmed that. Um, like I said, I got that in 2016. And how many of you know that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom? The Lord says to you today, please don't live just on encounter. There is one word, there is one God. And when people are hungry for the word and hungry for the truth, because what will happen is they're not getting the truth and everybody comes to the end of themselves. Everybody does. And when they're hungry for the truth, if we don't know, if we don't have the anointing of the Holy Spirit to share the truth, we're, we're, I mean, it's almost pointless. You know, I love supernatural encounters. Don't you? Come on, you guys. This is catch the fire. Come on. We love the prophetic, right? And we love dreams, don't we? I get juicy dreams. I wake up and I write them down. I call my sister and I'm like, you won't believe it. Shannon wakes up. He's like, I had a dream. And I'm like, oh gosh, how long is this going to take? Cause I'm going to go, you know what I mean? He's a seer prophet. So he's like, and there was horses and chariots. And I'm just like getting right to the, right to the point. Right. And so I love that. And one day I was, um, I was taking a walk and you know, when you have those times where you just feel like you just feel far from the Lord, like you just feel flat. And, um, I was taking a walk and I was tired and here I am. It's so funny in my neighborhood. I'm sure they were like, what is she doing? But I'm taking a walk and I'm like, Lord, I'm crossing the Jordan. I'm, I'm coming. I'm following you. I'm pushing through. And I'm like having this conversation and I'm almost in tears because I just feel so, oh, and I see Jesus in front of me and he goes like this. He goes, stop. And so I stop And he walks over to me and he puts his arm in mine and he goes, isn't that better? (laughs) Rochelle, what are you running after? You're running after what you already have. It's like you're running after Jesus, the hope of glory. I live in you. And you're always asking me, can I want to see more? Lord, help me see. He was like, what is wrong with you? Like what I'm living in you. I see exactly what you see. I'm literally looking at Jess just like you are because I'm looking through your, through you. But it's because you don't know your oneness with me that you, uh, tend to go in and out 
of understanding, but it's not that you need to ask me to see more. It's that you need to be more, um, more cognizant of your oneness. And the Lord said to me, he said, Rochelle, he said, I know you love all of the supernatural things. And I know you loved this particular moment with me, but that's not enough. That is not enough. And I think about it like a pendulum, right? That goes back and forth. And the Lord says, Rochelle, it should be even spirit and truth, spirit and truth, spirit and truth, spirit and truth. Because for many years I lived out of mostly encounters, I can tell you. And I got myself into some painful situations that probably could have been avoided. And I remember um, this man came to my church in Wilmington, and he was a preacher. And I was so hungry for the Lord. I mean, I was probably, I don't know, maybe five years as a Christian. And he came, and he was talking about the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And I wanted that more than anything. And... um he, he was talking about the anointing and he said, if you want the anointing of the Holy Spirit, I will give you my anointing if you come up here and bring wealth. And I took a ring that I had that was really special to me. I ran up there first and I gave it to him. How many of you know that was not Jesus? And people were lined up after me, giving him money and all of these things, right? For the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And what can happen is in the body of Christ is that we can ride on other people's revelation so much that we don't know what the truth is. And the Lord says to you today, there's a, there's a, um, there's, there's a thing called spatial orientation and this is disorientation. And this is something the Lord was showing me for you guys. And he said, spatial disorientation is what my body is going through. And what happens is a pilot If he has spatial disorientation, he can think he's upside down when he's right side up. So what happens is it's kind of like, it's like he doesn't know which way is up. He's like, he thinks he's upside down, he's right side up. Or he can think he's right side up, but he's really upside down. But what he has to do is he has to look at the three gauges to know where he is when he gets like that. And the Lord said, my gauges are Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And the word of God is the Son. And the Father and the Holy Spirit. And today the Lord says to you, I want to help you to not have spatial disorientation anymore. (laughs) Hebrews um, 5.14 in the NIV. How many of you know that we need maturity in the body of Christ? But solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good and evil. It's saying solid food. It's saying the solid food of the word is for the mature who by constant use, say constant use, have trained themselves to discern good and evil. The Holy Spirit says to you today, I need you to have discernment. Look at your neighbor and say, I am a house of his word and I have discernment. We will know the truth and the truth will set us free. What would it be like if our fathers were a house of his word? What would it be like if we live in a fatherless generation, if our fathers were a house of his word? 
What would it be like if our families were a house of his word or our work ethic was a house of his word? Now, please don't misunderstand. I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about a house of his word where we understand the Bible for what it is out of the lens of love, but we also live by those standards. What would it be like if when we went to work, we live by those standards so much. You know, I remember um, when I worked for a cosmetic company and, um, you know, cosmetics, there's women everywhere, right? And I worked for Belt Crabtree. And so, you know, I don't know if you've ever been in there, but there's like all these lines, Chanel and Laura Mercier. I don't know if anybody knows any of those, but of course I do. And so anyway, so um, we're in there and I was a manager and I had a team and one of my team members, came, it was kind of a boring day. And one of my team members came up to me and she was like, Rochelle. Oh, I used to say we need to have a reality show called Counterculture. So much going on. So much going on in there. So many things. And she was like, Rochelle, you will not believe what's happening over there. And I was like, oh, I'm excited. I was like, give me the juice, right? I was like, oh, I can't wait to hear it. And the Holy Spirit said, Rochelle, do you remember when you read in my word in the Message Bible that listening to gossip is like eating rotten candy? I said, I, I really appreciate that, but I, I, I really don't want to know what's going on over there. <laughs> you knew my flesh wanted to know, honey. I was like, oh, come on, Lord. I'll just go put on some lipstick. And uh... <laughs> so the Lord speaks to us, right? And um, one of the things that Chris Valentin says is that, um, you know, he was talking about how somebody came to him and said, you know, can I get high with pot and still be a Christian? And he said, well, you could be a Christian, but you're not a follower of Jesus because he's not going that way. And I believe that we, when we get in the word, we understand what it means to be a follower of Jesus. It's not being a Christian. It's we've had this encounter and now we've decided we're following after Jesus. And when we follow after Jesus, he makes our path straight, right? And so the word of God brings us to a place. How how many of you want to be followers of Jesus and not Christians? Because let me tell you, when you're not a follower of Jesus, you don't have any power. You don't have any authority, right? You don't, you, you certainly won't be able to deliver the word with the anointing of the Holy Spirit, right? So we want to be followers of Jesus, right? So we're a house of his word, Jesus living inside of us. And this is the only book that won't steer you wrong. It won't. It's the only book that's not trying to be on the New York Times bestseller list. It's the only book that is um, something that you can absolutely trust. It's the only book that's not gone on a book tour. (laughs) It's the only book that's not trying to sell for profit. Not the only book, but one of the main books. It's not trying to compete with the book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Do you remember that book? I had to to use that for sales when I was in sales. I was like, okay. Um, It's not trying to compete with the gazillion ministry books out there, though they're good. Those are a supplement to the word of God. And how many know if we don't know what's in the word of God, when we read a book, we're not even going to know if it's a tree we should be picking from. Don't let me go there, but it's the truth. Okay. So, um, <laughs> thanks, Antoine. 
So in 2021, there were between five and seven billion Bibles in circulation. Our stuff, our opinions, our fashion, our fads, none of them, all of them will pass away. But the word of God will stand forever. Diets come and diets go. Remember when they said, don't eat eggs. I mean, I'm older than you are, so I remember this, but it's like, don't eat eggs. It's bad for your heart. Now they're like, eat eggs. And then they're like, keto. Everybody's on keto. And I bet you in 20 years, they're going to be like, um, no keto, right? It's the truth that always happens. But the effects of eating this book will always be good for us. We feast on it. It's always good. It's never going to change. He will never change. The culture changes. Human nature never changes. In the Message Bible, Psalm 119, 89 to 84 says, What you say, God, goes and stays permanent as the heavens. Your truth never goes out of fashion. And as relevant as the earth when the sun comes up, your word and your truth are dependable as ever. That's why you ordered it. You set the earth going. If your revelation had not delighted me so, I would have given up when hard times came. But I will never forget the advice you gave me. You saved my life from those words. Jesus saved me. Encountering his words saved me. And this is not about rules. It's not to hinder us. This is not like, oh, I have. That's not what it is. It is a love letter from God. He makes our path straight. He says, that might not be a good idea. This might be a good idea. Right? You know, I'm, I'm a mom, and I absolutely love my kids. And raising them, I'm, I'm a mom and a friend. But raising them, I was a mother before I was a friend. No doubt in my mind. I was a mother before I was a friend when, they were, when I was raising them because it was my responsibility to teach them the way that they should go. All my friends are doing it. Well, you're not. Right? And uh, look at the fruit there. Hello, Lisa. Look at it. <laughs> it's the grace of God, right? You know, when I read James, it teaches me about mercy over judgment. It teaches me about character and integrity and his love revealed. The ESV version of 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and training in righteousness. The statistics are, if you read the Bible three to four times a week, you will have 57% lower odds of getting drunk, 68% lower odds of sex outside of marriage, 61% lower odds of pornography, and 74% lower odds of gambling. There was another uh, statistic that Shannon showed me last night, and I don't remember the exact number, honey, but it was something about, I want to say like 42% lower odds of being lonely. You know... And some people say to me, Rochelle, I read it and I don't remember what I read. Well, you don't remember what you had for breakfast last week, but it was still nutritional. The effects in the Bible is it affects, uh, it restores, it heals, it confronts. You know, I love the story of Mary Magdalene. Here she is. The Pharisees and religious leaders are bringing her to Jesus. And I, I, I feel like it's really important to say this, that we can have supernatural encounters from reading the word. It's not just about like in worship and everything, but I have supernatural encounters and I picture myself, you know, very frequently and I'm Mary Magdalene and, and, and the Pharisees bring her in and she's down on the ground and, um, 
They said, Jesus, we caught her in adultery, the very act. Stone her. That means throwing stones at her till she dies. And Jesus said, he who has not sinned may cast the first stone. And he gets down and he writes in the ground. And we never know what he wrote, but he says, go and sin no more. He's not mad at her. He's saying, go and sin no more because you've met love itself and you don't need that anymore. And though I didn't commit adultery, I can identify with her story. Believe me. It is by the grace of God. And I stand here today. So we can encounter Jesus through these. Now, the other thing that it does is it convicts. I want to talk a little bit about that, about a time when the Lord convicted me. Okay, you ready? So we're going to tell a little funny story right now. We get it. It's been pretty heavy. We're going to go a little light for a second. Okay. Are you with me? Okay. So this is what happened. So, um, I called Shannon on the phone and he said, he was sitting in the garage and I said, honey, how are you? He goes, I have really bad heartburn and indigestion. (laughs) He was like, I have a fire and I am just like, it's all in my throat. I am miserable. I'm in so much pain. And I was like, honey, I'm so sorry. I hung up the phone. And so I said to myself, self, (laughs) I'm going to do a Facebook live. So I get on the Facebook live and I'm like pulling, I pulled up to the house and I was standing in front of the house. I said, ladies and gentlemen, we are just on the scene and I have heard there is a fire in the gullet. And I was like, we are on the beach and the fire trucks are coming right now. And I hear right now the smoke is going in the air. And right now we're going to go see what's happening with this fire. And so I go inside and I'm like, excuse me, Shannon, we want to know what's happening with the fire in the gullet. And I'm on Facebook live and I put that and he looks at me like Rochelle. And I'm like, well, the fire trucks are going on and on, right? And, um, and then I finally, I'm laughing, you guys. I am cracking up. I am having the best time of my life. I am having a blast, okay? I'm in my happy place. And then when I finished, Shannon looked to me as, you better take that down. <laughs> and I was like, please don't make me take it down. It's so funny. It was so much fun. Don't make me do it. And he was like, you better take that down. And I was so convicted because I remembered that. Passage, love your neighbor as yourself. The Lord said, Rochelle, you're supposed to submit to one another, not him and me, both of us. And he was like, you better do it. And I remembered those words of the word of God. And I was like, Lord, I'm going to take that thing down. But it was like that conviction of like knowing, because honestly, I did not want to take that down. There was, I thought this is going to be so much fun. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right. The NIV Deuteronomy, um, eight, one through five. This is the Israelite story. And, um, the, the scripture says, be careful to follow every command I am giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land that the God promised to, the, the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors. Remember how the Lord, your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble you and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna. 
which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Your clothes did not wear out, and your feet did not swell during these 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. And Matthew reiterates this. He says it again. Uh, Jesus said, Matthew 4, 4, it is written, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And I love this story about the manna because every morning here they are and it rains from heaven, their food. I mean, come on, right? Rains from heaven. The manna goes on the ground. They pick what they need for the day. And it was only good for one day. You couldn't eat it the following day. Eat it for one day. And then the next morning you would go out and get more. And that tells me we need manna every day. Every day we need manna. Every day the Lord's like, I have bread for you, but you can't live on bread alone. So it's like, I feel like sometimes like we could use that as like spirit and truth, right? We can't live on one or the other. And so, um, one of the things the Lord showed me about oneness was I saw this, I had this vision and, um, I would, there was this massive sailboat again on my walk. It just came to me like this. It, if you ever been on a sailboat where there's like really, really big sails, I don't know if you have, but when they, when you pull those sails, it makes this noise. It's like, whoosh. I mean, it's beautiful. It's like, oh, you're flying with the wind. It's awesome. And Jesus was on that sailboat and he said, Rochelle, he said, you know, he said, um, they're like, I want you to sail with me, but unless you know every aspect of who I am, you're only going to fly or sail at half mass. He said, today, I want to teach them how to open their sails and to do a course correction. How to dig into the whole meal, not bits and pieces. Trust me, you must know my word for victory. And I think about the half mass, and I remember um, being with a friend of mine at church again, and I was like new in the Lord, and um, I was telling her about this guy I was dating, and I was like, oh my gosh, he's so great, right? Oh, I just really, really like him and everything. And um, she just kind of looked at me, and the thing started. And um, I said, I hope, you know, I hope he calls me. And she sent me a scripture on a piece of paper she wrote. And she said, a righteous man's steps are ordered by the Lord. And I was like, oh, I thought it hit me like a hammer. I was like, his steps aren't ordered by the Lord. Now she gave me the word of God and it cut like a knife. And there's something about the rhema word versus the logos word. So the Logos word is we read the Bible just like we read it. But the Rhema word means I read it and it's like, oh my gosh, oh my goodness. This is really speaking to me in my heart. And the Lord said to me, John 15, 7, Rochelle, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish in my name and it will be done for you. And the condition is if you, if there's a condition on this word, If you abide in me and my word abides in you, then you'll ask whatever you wish in my name and it will be done for you. He's not just saying, you know, just ask anything and it's going to be done. That is not what he's saying here. He's saying, if you abide in me in my presence and my word abides in you, that's because Rochelle, you're going to be praying according to my word and you're abiding in me. Therefore, my word will not return void. So I am praying according to his word. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm a house of his word. 
Dig deeper for correct for direction. Psalm 119, 105, the word of God is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto our path. You know, I remember when I, I, Lisa won't remember this because we probably didn't have this. I don't know if we did, honey, but when we took a, when we took a drive somewhere, we had a real map. Like you had to pull it out and you had literally like, you're like, take 95 to 80. Remember? Anybody remember that? I mean, I know I'm like, it was something, man. It was something. It was like, oh, my mother, like when we were taking a trip, she called AAA and they'd send a map of that little area and we would go and then we'd be like, oh, we're going to, yes. I mean, we would follow that map verbatim, right? And now we have GPSs. Praise God, Right. I love my GPS. I'm so dependent on it though. Like, I'm like, I'm going to go to whatever. And, and, the, um, and then my friend's like, what are you putting that in for? I'm like, I don't know where anything is anymore because I just follow my GPS. Right? I seriously, I mean, I know where some things are, but, but anyway, he was like, the GPS does everything for you. The problem with that, Rochelle, with the word of God, is that if you're living on other people's revelation, what other people are doing for you, then you're never going to live in victory. It's something that does everything for us. We have unlimited access on other people's revelation. And what can happen is we can prophesy in this. We can take scripture out of context. Here's another one. Uh, NIV, John 14, 13, 14. This is a big one for me. I will do whatever you ask in my name so the father may be glorified in the son. I will do whatever you ask in my name so the Father may be glorified in the Son. Now, what I hear people saying is, I'll be in a restaurant and we'll be in a restaurant. Oh, Lord, help us to get into a table really fast in Jesus' name. No. That is unbiblical. Or (laughs) at a traffic light, I'm in a rush. Lord, change that traffic light right now in Jesus' name. It's actually like... It's not a magic word. And I think we can treat it without the integrity that it deserves. We're saying in Jesus' name, think about if you have, okay, this is a little different, but you know how you can go to a college campus and there'll be like um, a building named after somebody. It's an honor, an honorary building. Saying in Jesus' names, it's honor. I'm saying it in your name because I'm asking for something that I know is close to your heart. I'm saying in Jesus' name for the orphan. I'm saying in Jesus' name for the widow. I'm saying in Jesus' name for signs, miracles, and wonders. Not for myself, but so the Father will be glorified. That's when I use in Jesus' name. Scripture can be taken out of context, and it can create a danger zone for us. John, NIV, John 4, 23, 24, yet a time is coming now when the true worshipers will worship Father in spirit and truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. You know, one thing that I love is that my kids like to surf. And when they were little, they would go out in the water in Wilmington and they would go out there and they would be out there. And of course, I'd be watching like a hawk, right? And they'd be on their surfboards and they would go out past the break and they would wait for the waves. And what would happen is sometimes they would catch really good waves, but other times they would sit out there waiting, waiting for a set and nothing happened and they would come in. And then when they came in, an amazing wave would come. And the Lord said, I want you to learn how to catch the wave of the Holy Spirit. 
Because what can happen is we go in too soon. We read a chapter. Oh, I'll read this chapter today. Or I spend five minutes in prayer. But the Lord said, I want you to catch the wave of the rhema word of my spirit. Because there, it, it, and no two waves are the same. So if no two waves are the same, that tells me I, I, it's not, he doesn't want me to look at the wave of the past. He wants me to look at the wave of the now. And sometimes the wave can be right in front of us. The wave can be, I talked to Raquel and she says one thing and I'm like, hmm, I want to learn more about that. Right? Or you meet somebody and you're like, I feel like I'm supposed to know them. I feel like I'm supposed to connect with them. Or we're waiting for this big thing to happen, but then somebody comes in here with a whole orphanage and we're still waiting for this thing to happen, but the Lord's wave is back there with the orphanage. And we know that from not only what we feel and what we sense in his presence, but through the word of God. When we read the Bible, something that can happen is called the lullaby effect. Okay? So a lullaby is like, you hear it over and over again, right? But the lullaby effect is, I've heard it so many times, it's like a lullaby. Right? And I feel like the Lord wants to heal us today of the lullaby effect, where when we read it, we come to life. And the Spirit of the Lord says to you, when you leave here, I want you to get in over your head of what you think you know. And um, when he said that, I always think about being in the ocean, right? You know, we talk about in this dream, I'm going to get in the deep place with God and the ocean and his presence. And he said, no, he said, I want you to get in over your head knowledge of what you think you know when you read the Bible. I want you to get in over what you think you've already learned in the word of God. What would it be like if we could sit and talk about the word of God with being discussion over dogmatic? You know, I watch these Harvard lectures and those lectures. I love it because they pass the microphone around. I love this so much. And he'll give them a a scenario. What would you do? One of the scenarios is like, if you're driving a car and you went, you went straight, you were going to hit one person. But if you dodge that other person, you're going to hit five. What do you do? And to hear them have these conversations and to go back and forth, it, it, it just, I love it so much because I think what happens in the body of Christ is that we are afraid to ask tough questions. We're afraid to go in the text and say, what's the problem with this? What's the problem with this text? Oh, don't say problem. Well, there is. This doesn't make sense to me. Lord, what do you want to say? It's asking the right questions. It's digging deeper and saying, Lord, Why? It's like in the creation story. Why? I asked the Lord this. Lord, why would you put the grass and the trees before you did the sun? I had mentioned this in the first service. How old was Adam and Eve when they were born? Well, somebody said at 31, I said, well, did he call him a newborn? You know, there's places in the Bible from eight, I think it's like age 12 to the early 30s where it says nothing about Jesus. And I think about those things. And I think we think academics is, oh, no. But let me tell you something. I love to to look in the Bible, not just for rhema, but for academics. I love to look at the history. Why was he saying that? Where was he? Why did he do that? I mean, I just love it so much. I get so excited. I'll tell Shannon all the time. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Look at this, what I found. Right? It's like there's so much in there. Um. I think one of the things that I want to talk about too is how the Jewish uh, people, they wrestle with the text. 
So they get together like at a synagogue and I've been there and they ask the questions. They wrestle with the text. You know what? I want to challenge you today. It's okay to wrestle with the message. Some of it just, I tell Shannon, I'm like, I don't understand. Why is this in here? And then when I start digging, I'm like, wow, that is deep. One of the things that I recommend is, um, some of the, some of my friends here, we, we, um, listen to something called the Bama podcast. Yeah. Here are my Bama people back there. They were here over there. Where are they? Woohoo. They're all over. I think anyway. Um, so Bama is, I believe his name is Marty Solomon and I'm, I'm, I love it so much. In fact, some of my friends are in like season 40. I'm still on season one because I keep going back over and over because it's so good. But he, he talks about how he was, um, was taught with, um, this rabbi and he, he learned so much about how the text is from the Middle East, right? It's not Western and it's not really what we think when we read it. And so one of the things that he taught on was the creation story. And I'm just going to share this because I want to entice you to dig in. This is so good, you guys. So he talks about the creation story. And he says, in the beginning, there was nothing. And he said, it's called tohu avohu. And that means chaotic nothingness. And he said, think about putting nothing in a blender. And then he says, and then creation story starts and God creates this. And then evening and morning the first day. And then he creates this in evening and morning the first day, second day. And it goes on and on. And at the end, God rested from all that he had done. And he said, one of the things about this story that people don't get is God knew, number one, when enough was enough. He knew what he had done and he knew when enough was enough. He didn't have to keep going in and doing more and having more. And he knew when enough was enough. And number two, he starts with nothing. He ends with nothing. And the day starts with evening. So it was evening and morning the first day. So your day actually starts with rest. Now I, I practice the Sabbath. So every Friday night I do the Sabbath. I have family, Jewish family, and I do the Sabbath and the the day starts for us at sundown on Friday. So he's like, this is not necessarily about creation. I mean, it is, but it's really about the fact that your identity is not based on how much work you do. He said, I know when enough is enough. He said, in the garden, Adam and Eve just didn't know when enough was enough. They had everything that they needed. Their identity was not in work. And he said, Rochelle, through this podcast, he said, you know, if if that was the most important thing, how much you labored in your life, then I would not have rescued the the Israelites from Egypt when they were working from sunup to sundown. Your identity is not based on what you do. Your identity is based on who he is. Isn't that deep? I'm just saying. So I'm going to close with this. I remember when I was new in the Lord. And I had such bad trauma that I would, if anybody rejected me or made me feel like any way that they weren't pleased with me in any way, if they were upset with me, um, the doctors called it shattering. And I would literally shatter from the inside out. And it was absolutely awful. And any time at all this happened, I would go into this shattering thing. And I would, I mean, it was just, it was incapacitating. And I remember when I got the realization that the word of God was a sword. 
And I began to walk my floors at night. And I began to speak Psalm 191 over myself. God, I thank you. I thank you, Father, that you would not let anything harm me. God, I thank you that you didn't give me a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Lord, I thank you. Lord, I thank you, Father, that the weapons of my warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds. <laughs> Lord, I thank you that I am redeemed. <laughs> Lord, I thank you that the joy of the Lord is my strength. And I would walk my floors for hours because let me tell you, I love all the inner healing stuff, but there are times when it's just you and the things you got to deal with. And my kids would be asleep and I would walk those floors and I would anoint their window, their, their, their bedroom doors. And I would say, these children are children of God. And these children will walk in their destiny according to your word. They were formed in my womb and they have a purpose and a destiny. And I would do that and I would walk. And I remember getting so drunk in the Holy Spirit that I would be laying on the hall, hall floor hammered. Just like God's love, just like, oh my gosh. I mean, I would just be so drunk in the Holy Spirit, laughing, carrying on, having the best time. And I remember another time where I went through deliverance and I didn't know I was going through deliverance. My spiritual mom was very, uh, very funny because she said, I think you might want to go meet this lady, Miss Eva. She was an older woman, probably in her eighties. And I went over there in my suit because I worked in corporate America. I thought I was all that. And she was like, now, honey, <laughs> I think you might have some things that need to be dealt with. And I had, you know, several uh, spirits cast out of me. And I remember going home and I was just like feeling so much lighter. I was like, what is going on? Like, first of all, why didn't anybody tell me about this? Why did they let me sit here like this for as long as they did and not tell me that I needed deliverance? But that's a whole other thing. We have the freedom team, right? So, so I mean, seriously, why did they let me sit? Okay, whatever. So, um, so after that, I got home and nobody taught me though how to keep my deliverance. Nobody taught me that. So here I am. I go home. I'm emptied. I had a lot taken out. And I went home. And so I started realizing as I learned all the things that were open doors, right? I didn't know any of that. So I go online and I researched. I was a rainbow girl, which was a daughter of the Masons. So I went in and I researched that. And then my grandfather was a Christian scientist on my mom's side. And that's a cult. So I went in. I started researching it. But what happened was I opened up all these doors again. So I was in bed that night. And all of a sudden, I was like... I don't want to, uh, it was something. I woke up in the middle of the night and the evil was crawling around my bed. It was so intense. Nobody can tell me any different from what transpired that night. And here I was this bold person, right? But I was like, what is going on? I turned the worship music on and I began to speak the word of God. And, um, you know, I just, I just started speaking the word of God. In fact, I called my spiritual mom and I messaged her and I was like, you have to come over here in the morning. And she taught me more and more about how to do that. So the word of God is sharp. We shift atmospheres with it. I pray today that the word of God would permeate and guide every realm of your being. May his word be the compass that directs every step of your life. May it be the heartbeat that pulses through every dimension of your existence. Everybody stand. I feel like before we go any further, um, I feel like corporately or in the body of Christ, there's been a flippancy of not realizing that the word of God is holy. It's holy. 
and that we need to go through repentance first of any way that we have been flippant about God's word. So just if you just want to repeat after me. Lord, we repent for being flippant about your word and not regarding it as holy. Lord, we thank you that your word is a light unto our feet. Lord, we thank you that your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. Lord, we thank you that your mercies are new every morning. (laughs) Thank you, Lord, for your word. You know, Holy Spirit, come and fill those places right now. Fill us up, Lord. You know, um, one of the things that I learned when I was, you know, learning about this was the anointing of the Holy Spirit is what breaks the yoke. Remember we talked about that? And I believe now that we've gone through repentance, that there's an opportunity to receive the anointing and the fire of the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you, he wants that for us. He wants us to have the fire. Today, I really sense in my heart that he wants to give us illumination that when we see the word of God, we understand what it means. Anybody that's new to reading the word of God or has read it forever, I feel like this is something that the Lord wants to do. I'm praying for freedom for you guys today, that any hindrances that are preventing you from understanding the deeper things of God or finding the answers you seek will be healed today. Asking for the anointing and the rhema word to meet us where we are. And I would like everybody to come forward today to receive that. God speaks directly to humans. And he wants us to believe that he'll speak to us. Today, God is going to bring freedom and an upgrade in revelation. I'm going to ask the ministry team to go around, please, and lay hands on people. And what we're going to do is we're going to play, we're going to play some music. And I'm asking you right now, this is a holy moment. If this is something you want, get alone with God, do whatever it is that you feel to do. But this is a moment right now to come before the Lord and say, Lord, I want your word in, as a lamp unto me. I, I want to be a house of your word. Thank you so much for joining us. There are so many opportunities to grow, connect, and be encouraged. To learn more, visit ctfraleigh.com and follow us on social media. Thank you so much for being part of the family. We are so thankful for you.